following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Well, we welcome you this evening. Glad that you're here for our Lord's Table service. Uh, I think uh, you've all been here except for our missionary guests before, and so you know the, uh, the kind of program we have this evening. We sing some hymns read scripture, uh, hear from the word, and share the elements of the table right around 7 o'clock. And then uh, that will wrap up our evening uh, together. So this being the first Sunday of the month is when our practice is to dedicate an entire service to the Lord's table, including the hymns. And usually the preaching has some uh, direct connection to the Lord's table and then the elements themselves. So we're going to have our scripture reading, which is in Isaiah 65, so now we get to uh, find out where we left off this morning. Isaiah 65, I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. Kind of reminds me of a reverse. This is interesting, isn't it? Who's speaking here? Thinking of uh, God calling to Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham said, "What? Here I am. Remember that? Here I'm. Here am I, or here I am." And now God is saying it. Here I am. Here I am. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, according to their own thoughts. This is so epidemic, my friends. People live according to their own thoughts. They live uh, with themselves as the authority. They're their own lords, lowercase l. Verse 3, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face, who sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, I've been reading in Leviticus lately on that subject. Uh, it says that if you make a sacrifice anywhere other than the temple, what happens to you? That's a, that's a death penalty in, in Old Testament law. You're not supposed to worship outside or, or in that form of worship outside of the temple or tabernacle. Who sit among the graves and spend the night in the tombs. Oh, that does not sound right who eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things is in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will repay, even repay into their bosom. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, says the Lord, who have burned incense on the mountains and blasphemed me on the hills. Therefore, I will measure their former work into their bosom. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sake, that I may not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, an heir of my mountains. My elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for herds to lie down, for my people who have sought me. But you are those who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, 
who prepare a table for Gad and who furnish a drink offering for many. Therefore I will number you for the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not hear, but did evil before my eyes, and chose that in which I do not delight. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart and wail for grief of spirit. You shall leave your name as a curse to my chosen, for the Lord God will slay you and call his servants by another name, so that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth, and he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my eyes. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not, sorry, they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as in the days of a tree, for as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble, for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Amen. At this time, I'm going to ask Brother Nathan to come and share a message tonight for us, and then we will sing one brief hymn and have the elements of the table after that point. Thank you, Brother. Welcome. All right, good evening. Trust everyone had a good afternoon, and uh, glad to be back together tonight. <clears throat> We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 4. I appreciate the... Uh, emphasis, as Pastor mentioned, on the gospel. And um, as we think about the Lord's Supper um, and remembering what Christ did for us, has done for us, uh, I think it's critical that we think of, of the gospel. And that's what I'd like to look at a little bit tonight uh, as we look at Second Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to I want to talk about a treasure. Now, when I say the word treasure, uh, 
you know, any number of, of different things may come to mind. Maybe you think of a, uh, a jewelry store, you know, just uh, full of, you know, with the display cases full of precious metals and, and diamonds and jewelry. Uh, that certainly is one type of treasure. Or maybe you think of uh, the image of pirates digging, uh, digging a hole on an abandoned island and, and burying their treasure and making a map with a big X on it, you know, to X marks the spot where you can find the treasure. Maybe uh, that type of image comes to your mind. Or uh, Fort Knox, you know, just chock full of gold, um, or supposedly. But uh, that's not the kind of treasure we're going to talk about tonight. And, uh, I'm, well, I'm going to leave you hanging for a moment, and uh, you're going to see when we get there what the, this treasure is that we're going to be talking about. Let's begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul again writing uh, to the Corinthians. He says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I want you to notice especially verse number three. We're going to come back to this. He says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Apostle Paul is talking about how he preaches. In verse number 2, he said, we have re, uh, we've renounced the hidden things, or we've put away uh, the hidden things of dishonesty. In other words, he doesn't preach the gospel in a dishonest way. He says by manifestation or by revealing the truth uh, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's how he, he treats this gospel. In verse number five, as we continue, he says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, verse number seven, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So as we look at what the Apostle Paul is saying, he says, I preach in a truthful way the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says we, we present this gospel by manifesting or revealing the truth to every man's conscience. He says if this gospel is hidden, it's hidden to those that are lost. Verse number four, he says the God of this world has blinded the minds of those which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. So we're talking about the gospel of Christ. And he kind of sums up. That gospel in verse number six, he, he says it has shine, it has shone out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And it's that gospel that he's talking about when he comes to verse number seven. He says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I believe tonight as the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the Corinthians, it's clear that 
he saw the gospel as a treasure. It was a it was his treasure, and he says we are earthen or well he says it this way we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Paul says that we hold this treasure, which is the gospel of Christ, in earthen vessels. What is that gospel? We talked about it this morning, uh, and and. I won't spend uh, the majority of our time defining exactly what that is, but I think it's important that we remember what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel. This morning we talked about uh, the fact that we are separated from God. There is a great uh, gulf fixed, if we could use that terminology, between us and God. Because because God is holy and he cannot tolerate sin— uh, and we are sinful people, we are cut off from him. There's a separation. The Bible refers to that as spiritual death. And because of it, we cannot uh, be in communion with God. We cannot have a relationship with him because of our sin. But God, in his mercy, his love, he provided a way for us to be reconciled to him, for that relationship to be repaired. He provided his son. His son lived on the earth for uh, over 30 years, and uh, as a man, he was he was completely sinless. He was a sinless man, but at the same time, he was God in the flesh. And uh, because of his sacrifice, he was he was executed in our place. Uh, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and, but Christ uh, took our our punishment, the death that we deserve. He took it on Himself. And he died in our place. And that's what we're here tonight to, to remember, to uh, commemorate in the Lord's Supper. And Christ commanded us to do that. He did not remain dead. In, he did not remain in the grave. He rose from the dead and conquered death and sin so that we also can have victory through him. The Bible tells, the Bible tells us that God commands all men everywhere to repent and to, to turn to him and to accept his gift of salvation. And uh, when a person believes what God has done for them, makes a decision to trust him, the Bible tells us that when that person confesses with the mouth and, and receives Christ as his Savior, God promised he will save that person. And uh, I trust tonight that if that is not something that you have, have uh, not a choice that you have made in your life, uh, that you will... Um, that you, you will take time tonight to think about that and to, to make that decision to trust Christ as your Savior. But that's the gospel. That good news is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. As we sit here tonight, brethren, we, like the Apostle Paul, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This word vessel is simply has the idea of a container, something that that is, uh, it holds a substance. My wife uh, makes some very delicious food. Last night she made some great uh, chicken. It's called uh, Change Your Life Chicken because it's so good it'll change your life. And, uh, you know, that's that's what someone, you know, called the recipe. But it is some amazing chicken. You know what? When it was all when that was all said and done, we had leftovers because the pack of chicken that I bought at when I went to Aldi had like twelve 
drumsticks in it. We don't, you know, our, our little family, we can't eat 12 drumsticks in one meal. So we had leftovers. And we found a container that we could put those, those leftovers in. And all that container does is holds, it, that container holds uh, the, the, those leftovers so that we don't have to, you know, just dump it out on the shelf in the fridge. That wouldn't make sense, right? So the, a container is something that holds a substance. Now, of course, a, an earthen vessel, uh, an, an earthen container is, is, is a vessel, a container that's made out of what? It's made out of earth. Now, earth is, uh, it, well, I don't have to explain to you what earth is, right? Earth is just dirt. It's, if we were to go out behind the church in the, in the field there and get a shovel and start digging in the ground, you know what we'd find? We'd find earth. And uh, that's, that's all it is. So what the Apostle Paul is talking about, he says, we have this treasure in vessels, containers made of dirt. It's like a clay pot. You know, clay can be taken out of the ground and made and fashioned into, the, into a uh, container that can hold a substance. That's kind of the image that the Apostle Paul has in mind here, I believe. As he compares, or as he says, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. The Apostle pictures us as God's servants, as vessels in his hands holding the, the gospel. Paul says that God uses us as vessels to carry this treasure. What a contrast, right? The, the idea of a treasure that's held in a vessel made of dirt. But that's the, that's the image that the, that the Holy Spirit chose to use through the Apostle Paul. We are simply vessels made of dirt, but we carry this treasure. We hold this treasure that the Apostle Paul calls the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So, quickly tonight in our in our time here i want to bring your attention to just to two things that i believe happen when we do our job as earthen vessels you know we as as missionaries we're headed to the ivory coast to carry the gospel of christ with us and to spread it and and to teach it to those who never heard it so it behooves us, I believe, to think about what happens when we do our job, when we do what we're supposed to do as an, earth, as an earthen vessel carrying the gospel of Christ. So just two things tonight that I'd like to look at, two things that happen when we do our job as earthen vessels. Let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll look at these two things. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, once again, of, of speaking from your word tonight, I pray that you would that you would speak through me, and most of all, speak through your Holy Spirit and through your word tonight, and uh, tell us what it is that you want us to learn, how we can grow closer to you tonight. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. First of all, the, the first thing that I see here, I find in verse number three, the Apostle Paul says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What's that idea of being hid? It's like um, it could be translated veiled, or uh, it's covered up. Now, it, have you ever, uh, well, have you ever had something that was hidden or that you lost? Um, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, if I lose something and uh, it's, it's, I'm looking everywhere to find it, uh, and I know it's got to be here somewhere, and I just cannot find it, that just, 
it drives me crazy, right? Because I'm looking, and I know it's got to be here. I've got to, it's got to be right within reach. I just had it, you know, whether it's a, a car key or my glasses or my phone, you know, if I lose that thing, I'm looking and, and uh, you know, tr- turning the house upside down trying to find it, and it, it's, it drives me crazy until I find it. Uh, when, before Hannah and I were married, I uh, f- one day forget exactly what the circumstances were, but I had to borrow uh, uh, her car, uh, or we switched vehicles. I think she took my truck and I took her car. And, and um, I was when I came home from work, uh, I came in the house and I, I evidently dropped the key or lost the key somewhere. And uh, I needed to. I, I was looking everywhere for this key. I was looking and looking all over the house. You know, I look in the bedroom. I look in the in the living room. I look outside in the driveway to see if I dropped it. And I never did find that key. To this day, I don't know what happened to the key, uh, to her car. And uh, thankfully, they had a backup or a spare. And uh, you know, those those kind of things, it, it drives me crazy because I know it, it has to be right here. It has to be right within reach because I drove the car home. Uh, you know, it has to be here. It's not like I left the key at work. Anyway, uh, that's the idea of something being hidden. It's right, it, it's here within reach, but it's covered, and, and we you can't see it, can't access it. Maybe you've had a, a similar uh, experience to that, or um, having, you know, maybe you're, you've been in that situation. I had a friend, uh, we were working on a project and uh, he was looking everywhere for, uh, it was like a construction project, he was looking everywhere for his pencil. You know, you've got to have a pencil when you're building something to, to mark and, and make measurements and everything, mark measurements, and, and he was looking everywhere, finally realized it was stuck right behind his ear, you know, and it, maybe you've had that kind of thing happen to you, or um, hopefully you haven't been looking all over the house for your phone and realized you were, you were talking on the phone while you're looking, but um, maybe you've had something like that happen, but What's the idea? It's right there within reach. It's within your grasp, but you just can't see it. Recently, uh, we were at a mission conference, and uh, Hannah and I were we were getting ready to leave the church and go to where we were staying for the night. And uh, I was looking for my son, Daniel. Uh, hopefully, some of you got to meet Daniel, and uh, he's. Uh, I was I was looking, you know, I, I we're getting ready to leave and you know how it is, you're 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 ready to leave and you you start to call, you know. So I I start, you know, started looking around and said, "Daniel." And then I realized I was holding him in this hand. You know, that was an embarrassing moment. He was right there. I didn't need to look. He was right there within reach. I just didn't I didn't realize he was in my arm. Uh so that's the idea of something being hidden within reach. But Paul's admonition to us is that if we are allowing the truth of our message, the truth of the gospel to be hidden, it's hidden to, who is it hidden to? He says it's hidden to those that are lost. Those who need it. It's hidden to those that need it, if we could say it this way, those who need it the most, because it's right within their grasp, but it's hidden. Much worse than uh, 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 that car key, you know, that's lost. And I know it's somewhere in the room, but I just can't find it. Much worse than a pencil being stuck behind your ear. You know, if you just reach up, you can grab it if you know it's there. Much worse than that is when the gospel is hidden to those that are lost. 
Because it's right there within grasp. It, it's, it's within reach. It's freely given to all who will accept it. But if our gospel is hidden, Scripture tells us that it is hidden to them that are lost. That's the first thing tonight. I see that when, when we do our job as earthen vessels, our job is to reveal that gospel. It's to carry it and to disperse it to everyone around us and to share it with our friends, our loved ones, our uh, everyone that, that we have the opportunity. We are to share that gospel with them so that it is not hidden. That's what it means. I believe that's part of doing our job as earthen vessels, what God has designed us to do as clay pots in his hands. So we saw that, first of all, when, our, when we are fulfilling our role, we are doing our job as earthen vessels in God's hands, the gospel is not hidden. But then the second thing I see here, and uh, perhaps we could, we could say of equal or greater importance... The second thing is that we bring glory to God. Or maybe we could say, maybe it would be better a uh, better way to say it would be that God brings glory to himself through us. Why would God choose to use an earthen vessel? Let's read uh verse beginning in verse number 7 where we left off uh Well, we'll read verse number 7 again, and then I want to continue a few verses here. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says about this. He says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So why would, I ask you, why would God choose to use an earthen vessel? As we've already talked about, uh, you know, the, an earthen vessel is just a, it's just a clay pot. Now, there's nothing special, nothing fancy about a, a container made out of dirt. Uh, the earthen vessel, uh, a vessel that looks like it's made out of dirt, isn't the container that you uh, set on the coffee table, you know, to look pretty. And ladies, uh, when your husband is, uh, perhaps he's a really good husband, and um, every once in a while brings you flowers, uh, you know, to celebrate uh, a special event or whatever it is, and uh, if he presents you with a bouquet of flowers. My guess is you you probably go to the cupboard and and you find a uh, a beautiful uh, porcelain vase or crystal something to hold those flowers that's going to look pretty so that you can set it on the coffee table or on the shelf and in the middle of the table whatever wherever your preferred place is and it it will look beautiful and it will draw attention to itself and we'll look at it and say wow that is that is pretty that's a beautiful vase. It's a beautiful container that holds those flowers. And it sits there and it draws attention to itself and it has beauty in itself. But an earthen vessel isn't quite like that. The earthen vessel does not draw attention to itself. It doesn't draw glory for itself. It's simply useful 
to carry a substance. It's simply, uh, its only value is that it can be used. It can be filled up and be used for a purpose. Paul explains exactly why God wants to use us. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessel that, and, and literally we could say, so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This word excellency in the original language is the verb, or it's the, uh, it, sorry, it's not a verb. It's the word from which we get our English word hyperbole. Now, what's a hyperbole? It's like a an exaggeration. It's an extreme amount. When we talk about in the Greek here, uh, it's translated other places as being beyond measure or exceedingly, uh, exceeding, sorry. He says the, the excellency of the power. He's talking about the, the immense measure of the power of the gospel. The gospel is powerful, brethren. Tonight, as we talk about the, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of what Christ has done for us, that is a powerful, a, a, a powerful subject. The God, because the gospel carries the power of God, the glory of God. But what the Apostle Paul says, he's, he, he tells us that this excellency of the power, the, uh, the great measure, the exceeding uh, immense amount of power that is wielded in the gospel, it does not come from us. Look at this. He says, that so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He says it's of God and not of us. Now, this word... When we talk about being of God, it's like like we talked about this morning in Romans when he says, for of him are all things. He is the source of all things, So, in, and it's not us. You see that tonight? He says that we bear this gospel in earthen vessels so that this immense power that is wielded in the, in the gospel does not proceed out of us. It does not come out of us. In other words, we are not the source of the power. The power comes from God. And that's why he can trust the, this gospel to simple earthen vessels, to clay pots. See, when we allow God to take us in his hands, like an, just like an old clay pot, just a vessel made out of dirt, we allow ourselves to be filled and used for his work, our own importance fades away. We aren't like that that crystal uh, vase, a beautiful porcelain vase that sits on the on the table and, and looks pretty. No, we're more like a simple container made out of dirt that's just useful because it can be filled up with the gospel of Christ. The real power comes through. It comes from God, and God can use us to bring glory to himself when we're doing our job as simple earthen vessels. You know, the problem is we, as, as humans, uh, we, we love to, sit on the, to be like that, that porcelain vessel that sits on the coffee table and looks pretty. We love to draw glory to ourselves, but that's not our job. 
Our job is simply to be earthen vessels in God's hands. I was thinking about examples of how God uses us to bring glory to himself. And uh, we could go throughout the Bible. There's many examples, I think, but we'd see story after story of, of men who allowed God to use them. And because of that, God got the glory. 1 Kings 18, we won't turn over there, but you're probably familiar with the, with the uh, story of Elisha and how he faced all the, uh, the false... Um, I'm going to turn here so I, so I can quote the verse correctly. But Elisha faced the, the false prophets of Baal. Uh, some, I think it was 400 some prophets of Baal that he faced. And, and they had this great uh, face off on the, on the top of the mountain where they begged and begged their God to send down fire and nothing happened. And, and Elisha, you know the story, he, he poured water on the altar uh, so that the entire altar was soaked and God sent down fire that burned up, the, the, the Bible tells us it burned up the sacrifice, it burned up the altar, it burned up the dust, and it burned up the water that was, that was surrounding the altar. It, it, incredible power of God. But because Elisha allowed himself to be used in that way, this is what they said. It says, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord he is the God. Because of what Elisha allowed God to do through him, God got the glory. I think of Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah did a great work for God. God used him immensely uh, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah said that they rebuilt the wall of the city in 52 days. But I think it's interesting what he says. He says that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. All of the surrounding heathen nations, as they saw what happened uh, in Jerusalem, as they built that wall in 52 days, as they were watching that take place, they didn't say, look at what Nehemiah did, and, and look at that amazing feat of en- engineering. <laughs> That's not what they said. They said, that looks like the work of a real God. Why? Because Nehemiah allowed himself to be simply a vessel in God's hands, a, a, a tool for God to use. In 1 Samuel, when David, the, one of the most famous stories of the Bible, slays the giant, David didn't take the credit. As, he, as, he, as Goliath crashes to the ground and the victory is won for Israel, David didn't take the credit. He said he did this so that all the world may know that there's a God in Israel. God got the glory. He said that before he went out to fight the giant. He said, I'm doing this so that all the world may know that there's a God in Israel. And, the, and Paul says that God takes us, he uses us as simple earthen vessels in his hands. Nothing more than containers to carry the truth of his word. The gospel of Christ. Just clay pots to carry his message. Not so that we can draw attention to ourselves. Not so that we can sit on the coffee table and look pretty. But so that we can be useful vessels in his hands. And so that he can get the glory through us. 
My friends, we truly, I believe we truly serve God when we stop, uh, we, we quit desiring to be out on display, lose the desire for our own glory. We stop saying, Lord, look at how beautiful a vessel I am. Look at what I can do. And instead we start saying, Lord, I just want to be a good clay pot. Just want to be a good vessel made out of dirt. That's really what it boils down to. I don't have to look good to serve God. I just have to be a useful vessel in His hands. It doesn't matter how I look in the eyes of man. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter how much attention I get for my service to God. All that matters is that I can be filled up, that I'm a vessel that God can fill up with the truth of his word, and I can carry that gospel to others. It can be used by God to accomplish his will. It's been a simple message tonight, but I hope you can see clearly what the Apostle Paul has to tell us. Two things that I see. I'm sure there's other things we could mention tonight, but I wanted to draw your attention specifically to these two things. As we, as we head overseas as missionaries, our desire is to simply be uh, vessels made of dirt, containers made out of dirt that God can fill with his word, that he can fill up with the gospel of Christ so that we can carry it to those who are lost. He says when we do that, our gospel is not hid. We don't want the gospel to be hidden to those who need it. That's really what it's all about. So tonight, are we doing our job as earthen vessels in God's hands? Let's pray, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, once again, that we've had to look at your word. I pray that you would help us. I thank you that you do help us as we do our job as earthen vessels. Thank you that it's through your power through your enabling that we are able to serve you and that we are able to do our job as earthen vessels. Pray that you'd help us to rely on you and then trust in you to do that. Now as we look forward to observing the Lord's table, I thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for providing the, the sacrifice so that we can have that good news, so that we can have this gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.